Welcome back, everyone, to episode 59 of Take to Take. My name is Luke Burroughs, joined by Nick Robinson and Patrick Talon. As per usual, we are just over 48 hours away from the NHL trade deadline. Yes. And we've already got some action. But before we get to that, I want to start with you, Patrick. Big night last night for <laughs> Montreal Canadiens fans following um, his Hobie Baker win. He had an, he had an all right <laughs> AHL debut. Do you have anything to say about what I like to call the Cole Caulfield effect? Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, that, uh, that banger of a tweet. But no, I You're thought welcome. it was pretty good. Um, I think we all knew who's going to win the Hobie Baker. Um, not to take anything, anything away from who the other finalists were, but uh, he was kind of guaranteed and I think we expected it. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And then to go into his AHL debut against the Marlies, no less, uh, and put up two goals and an assist. Um, he was all over the place and uh, it's exciting. I haven't, Montreal hasn't had a prospect like this in quite some time and to finally have someone who can score goals. I haven't seen a goal scorer of that capacity since, I don't know, Pacioretty, maybe. But even then, like when he was drafted, they weren't sure he was going to be a 40 goal scorer all the time. So uh, it's really exciting to see this type of player. And I'm hoping uh, hoping he gets a look in Montreal eventually. What was the final score of last night's game? I genuinely don't know. Five, three or five, four. I think five, three. Sounds like Pat or... doesn't genuinely know either. <laughs> yeah, yes. who, who won? I don't know. Oh, oh, the, the, the Rocket won. Okay. I'm pretty cool. sure it was five, three. In uh, in NHL news, and before we get to uh, two two trades that happened in the past week, the Vancouver Canucks signed, and the Vancouver Canucks that still haven't played, and we're going to get to that later on in the show. But the Vancouver Canucks signed Tanner Pearson to a three year, three point two five AAV deal. Uh, and I I'll actually I'll take my thoughts last on this. Uh, Nick, I'll I'll give this to you. Tanner Pearson was kind of the focus of contract talks following Thatcher Demko's extension. And I guess Patterson and Hughes will be up next, but three by 3.25. What do you think? Yeah. Well, no matter which way you slice this for me, it's bad. Uh, Tanner Pearson is, I don't know, like a really low, low caliber middle six forward and to me, that's just not the kind of guy you should be locking up to three-year term over $3 million a year. I don't get the fit at all for the Canucks. I get if, you know, like Benning said, he's a very big part of their locker room, I think he's become. But it, no matter what, we've talked about this before and we can debate on that. I, I just don't get committing money in term to guys just because of how they fit into the locker room. I thought that's why they signed, you know, Brandon Sutter, or uh, Jay Beagle or a lot of these other guys. So I don't know um, if the play doesn't start to translate on ice, which it hasn't this year. I don't get what continuously adding guys for the locker room effects going to do what they, sh- and the fact that you said there, it was sort of the forefront of contract talks in Vancouver after Demko <laughs> instead of Hughes and Pedersen really focusing and narrowing in on how they're going to do that. Yeah. I think that's a problem in itself. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with everything Nick just said. Um, there are too many reasons. It's backloaded. Uh, he, he gave on term. It's I think it's over market value for a guy like Tanner Pearson. Uh, he's gotten worse every single year. And you look at what a team, uh, you know, teams were unloading a guy like Brett Connolly, who had a very similar contract, the exact same age, getting rid of a contract like that. And then to sign Tanner Pearson to that 
exact type of contract doesn't really make sense, especially when the focus on is, is on getting Pedersen and Hughes signed. And I don't know. I think people are worried about the the bottom six depth or the middle six depth, if you will, if, if Pearson is a middle six forward, but you can take advantage of Hoglander on his entry level deal. You can take advantage of a guy like Vasily Pud Colson coming in. I'm pretty sure he's coming in next year to play for the Canucks. Those are two guys who, who can help round out your middle six who are good offensive pieces, move on from a guy like Tanner Pearson and get, get some sort of asset back from him. Then you have a guy like Vertanen who some people think can be bought out. And I just think big picture, you know, we're seeing people say, well, on its own, the contract is fine, but with regards to everything else, it doesn't really make sense. I don't think it makes sense on its own and throw that in with, you need guys like Hughes and, and Patterson with their big contracts coming up. It doesn't make sense in any way. And I just think, you know, again, Benning didn't do the right thing for the Canucks. So oddly enough, I think I actually kind of disagree with you guys. I, I think objectively the contract <laughs> is, yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I think the contract is actually fine objectively. Um, Though you are correct, Pat, I would say it's pretty explicitly over market value. And that was made clear prior to the contract being signed. And yet it was still signed. So yeah, definitely some issues there, but, but three by 3.25 for Tanner Pearson, when you just look at those numbers, I don't have a huge issue with it, but it's the fit. Like both of you said, it's the fit that doesn't make any sense. The fact that they're, that they're signing that kind of player to that term. And then the, the term is what does it for me because there's a, there's a window opening up here there. As long as you have Horvat, Besser, Pedersen, Hughes, Miller, Demko playing like they are, there's, there's a window to some degree and management needs to capitalize on that window now. And a move like this is just <clears throat> proof that that is, that is not the way that the team is heading, unfortunately. So I, I don't understand it. I don't mind Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson is a, the Horvat Pearson Erickson line isn't a bad line. That is a good shutdown line. And I, I like, I like to see that line last year in the playoffs, but it's just like, you, you have to, you have to prioritize putting a team together and Tanner Pearson can't be at the top of that list. Two trades. Well, four trades happened in the last week. We'll talk about two of them. First, the big one. Kyle Palmieri was a name that was being thrown around as much as Taylor Hall, etc. The trade to the Islanders, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac in return, AJ Greer, Mason Jopes, a first in 21 and a fourth in 22. Patrick, what are your thoughts? A uh, fantastic deal for the Islanders. Obviously, um, Lamorello gets guys he's familiar with. Um, unfortunate to see Palmieri have to shave his beard. If we want to get into that, it's a whole other debate. I don't think that's it. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but that's a really good trade. And I'm looking at, from the devil's perspective, you get a guy like uh, Mason. I don't know how to say his last name. He's 27 years old, uh, doesn't have any NHL games, more of an AHL depth guy. And then A.J. Greer, who's 24, maybe he will make the jump to the NHL. And then you have that first-round pick, which is obviously the key one. And, again, if you're the Islanders, you're hoping that's a very late first-round pick because, again, you're going on a run. And I think I just look at the last couple deadline deals that um, that the Islanders have made. I like the one to get Peugeot, slight overpayment, maybe just to give up those picks. But uh, same thing for this uh, this Palmieri deal. You're getting, a, you're getting a goal scorer. Obviously, you know, Anders Lee is out, so adding him into the mix – with uh, Barzal and then you have someone like Zajac in the bottom six. I think it's a really good move and um, kind of sets the tone for what's to come the next couple of days. Nick. 
Yeah, Patrick and I both mentioned uh, the Islanders as a being a really good fit for Taylor Hall in previous shows, but I think I like this fit a bit more with uh, both Palmieri and Zajac. You know, Zajac will slot nicely into their depth uh, forwards, and, you know, Palmieri is going to go right to the top of the lineup to replace Lee. As soon as Anders Lee comes back, whenever that may be, maybe early in the playoffs, looking at it with Palmieri in there and Zajac, I really, really now like the Islanders' forward depth. And, you know, you put that on top of the fact that they've got an excellent defensive coach in Barry Trotz. They've had really good defense all year. Um, as long as the goaltending holds up and I keep, I've been thinking for three years it's going to fall apart, but it yeah. still hasn't. So I have no reason now to believe that it is. Um, as long as Varlamov keeps it up, man, I think the Islanders may be primed for a super long playoff run. It really looks like it. I agree. I think. Yeah, we'll I'll get to you in a sec there, Pat. I think the Islanders, they're for like excluding the, the Tampa Bay and the Colorado and teams like that, the Islanders are looking really, really good. And I almost prefer this kind of move over uh, acquiring Taylor Hall, which we will get to shortly. Uh, sorry, Patrick, go ahead. No, I was going to say every year, I feel like I, I think the Islanders, they lose a guy, you lose a guy like Devon Taves, especially, and I think they're going to get worse. But then you see guys like uh, Ryan Pullock and Adam Pellick who have great underlying numbers and they're showing to be excellent defensemen just every single year I think are they good enough are they good enough and then they get good guys they play really well defensively um, I know Jay Fresh has talked a lot about Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick being guys that are that are extremely underrated in the league so um, I like the Islanders and I hope they go on a run I really do me too the second more minor trade that happened this past week this was what yesterday I think involving the Toronto Maple Leafs of course, Riley Nash from Columbus to Toronto for a conditional seventh. I think this is this is a a safe minor minor bet for the Leafs. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I like the transaction for the Leafs. Riley Nash, you know, he's not going to play right off the bat. Probably not going to play until the playoffs. But uh, you know, just looking at it on paper, he's a solid fourth line guy. Lots of defensive impact, and even now in the short term provides a lot of LTIR relief for them to go seek something bigger, perhaps a Taylor Hall. We'll get to that, but um, you know, it's a, it's a good move for Toronto and it's the type of move. I think, um, you know, we didn't, it, nobody was exactly predicting it, but you look at it now, what it is and nobody's surprised that it was the Toronto Maple Leafs that made it. They're flexing that financial power that they have. And um, yeah, it's a, it's well within the rules, but that being said, I, uh, I I just have to throw in there. There was a lot of people in the Toronto media upset um, yes. with yes. Nikita Thank Kucherov you. and the Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning and their, um, you know, attempts to circumvent the cap, as a couple of them put it. I don't want to hear it after this move. Again, Tampa, <laughs> what Tampa Bay is doing is not illegal. What Toronto is doing, not illegal. It's same thing. So, yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks for throwing that in there. Uh, I, this is a great move. It's center depth. It's really strong defensive center depth for essentially no cost. It's basically a free player. And again, you get that cap relief. Um, I would agree. I don't want to hear anyone upset about circumventing the cap. Like you said, everyone was really upset about what they did with Kucherov. And then it's genius when it's Riley Nash, when neither of it is illegal and any team can do that. It's a smart move for, for, for Toronto smart move for, for Tampa to do it before, but uh, overall as a general move, I do like this for the Maple Leafs. I think that's a good defensive center and um, assuming he's back for the playoffs, he can be a good addition. Okay. So the addition of Riley Nash does not necessarily mean the Maple Leafs are done quite yet. No, we have all alluded to him. Taylor Hall is still in play and it's looking more and more likely that 
he is going to be traded. Before we get into some hypotheticals here, what, uh, Patrick, what do you think the percentage chance of Tyler Hall, t- Taylor Hall, I love Tyler is? Hall. I'll say 90, 80 to 90%. Nick. Uh, I'm going to go a bit less. I'm going to say 65 to 70%. I it, like just with the amount of tightness there is in the league in terms of money, I think um, it's not a certainty at all, at all that he's going to move. And um, I could see a Kyle Lowry type uh, thing, obviously yeah. with a lot less fanfare given what his tenure in Buffalo has been, but a Kyle Lowry type situation where he ends up staying in Buffalo for the rest of the season. All I'll right. So- my answer to 80. Okay. So we've talked about this before. Um, you know, when we when we talk about trade deadline, he is the biggest name for this year's trade deadline. A lot of teams, um, hypothetically, in the mix here. Toronto is one of them. Although I feel like Toronto's reported to be in the mix on just about everyone. We've I thought Paul heard... Mary to Toronto was more likely than Hall to Toronto, just to. So yeah, we've also heard the Islanders. That's probably not happening. We've heard Boston. We've heard Florida. Right. I've pushed on florida but yeah he's if, he, if he's going somewhere nick where do you have him going specifically and what would you say that trade looks like what is the cost because after the palmary trade the price has kind of been set so you can sort of get an idea there and it is a lot lower than some people might have expected yeah i'll say you you mentioned them there for a second. Uh, Florida, I think they are a good fit. I, they dumped Brett Connolly this week and he went to Chicago. That gets some salary off their books. Their ownership group, um, you know, they're not exactly big spenders this year. They made that clear before the season. Um, but it seems like that move, they're just clearing up a bit of internal salary almost to make uh, the acquisition of a player like a Taylor Hall more feasible for the rest of the season. So I think there it's a good fit. Um you know, I, I, would I give up a first rounder for Taylor Hall? Sure. But I don't think that's what it's going to end up being in this market. It just doesn't, um, it, it just doesn't seem like it. And from what we know that all the big media members have been saying, it just, the market out there is tight. It's very difficult in this COVID world to move around players right now. And deadline players are not going to fetch huge prices this year. So um, for Florida, I'm thinking like maybe like a second in a B-level prospect, I think, would get it done. Although if they were to get into some kind of bidding war um, with whoever Patrick's about to mention is involved, then uh, could I see a first eventually being the price that's driven up to on uh, Monday? Then, yeah, I could see it. Okay. Next, Scott, Florida. Patrick? So I'm torn between two teams, um, and I think he's a great fit with either, and I'm going to say Boston and Toronto. I think Toronto especially, I think that's a great fit for him. I think he rounds out that already pretty strong top six. You can bump a guy like Alex Gauchenek down, who's been somehow, somehow a really good player for the Maple Leafs. I don't know. Um, again, what it would look like, I think you would give up a first. I think you'd give up a, a good enough prospect, not a top guy like Amirov or or Sandine, but I still think you'd have to give something up like that. For Boston, though, I think it's the same kind of thing. I do think you end up getting a first for him. Um but again, this Palmieri trade only a kinda... first. Like you, th- you think that's it? A first? No, for no, all? not just not just a first for all. I think a first plus. Um, just given you know, if, like Nick said, if there's a bidding war between two teams, um, again, I think people are really undervaluing Taylor Hall. Uh, it's he's shooting historically low this year on a very terrible Buffalo Sabers team, and I feel like people kind of forget that he's still a good player. Also, Taylor Hall is not a goal scorer. 
Taylor Hall was not supposed to be this pure bona fide goal scorer. He's an excellent play driving winger. He's a great playmaker who can finish. But again, people are looking at his goal totals and, and getting frustrated when in reality he's shooting insanely low. And I think teams should be all over Taylor Hall. And um, I don't remember who tweeted it the other day, but they said uh, a trade could, he could get traded and then sign with the team uh, shortly after being acquired. And I think teams have to look at that as well. That's kind of why I thought um, uh, the Islanders made sense, but again, um, we'll see, but I, I'm going to stick with Toronto or Boston. All right. We will see probably within 48 hours. Now I want to turn away from Taylor Hall and turn towards our teams, Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver. Vancouver is in a bit of a different situation at the moment. So I'll start with Montreal. Do you see the Habs making any kind of move in the next in the next 50 hours and 23 minutes? Or do you think they stand pat with what they've got? Because they're they're making the playoffs. I think that's... I think that's they would have to... If they were... Yeah, Calgary would have to win out if Montreal went like just 500. So I think it's pretty much set. There'd have to be a, a like a pretty extreme mess up for that to happen. Uh, I hope they do for their sake. I don't know if they think they can win with uh, what they have in their top four. Sorry to sound like a broken record, but um, I hope they make a move. I hope they make a move for a defenseman. Um, again, uh, people think Cole Caulfield will, might step in for the playoffs. Everyone gets healthy or Mia and Gallagher at healthy in time. The forwards to me are not an issue. Would it be nice to add some depth? Of course. And I could see uh, Bergevin doing that, although he did already add Eric Stahl. But to me, I'm looking at defensemen. I'm looking at a guy like Vince Dunn, uh, said it multiple times. They need someone who can move the puck. They need someone who's creative, who is good defensively and offensively. And Vince Dunn is that. Um, I don't know what Anaheim is doing, and this is just my own excitement, but I'm a big Hampus Lindholm fan, and I would overpay uh, a large amount to get Hampus Lindholm on the Montreal Canadiens. But again, has to be money in, money out. And I think this is not, not going to happen, just knowing the kind of GM Bergevin is, but you got to get rid of a Sherratt, for example. He's on a somewhat movable contract, kind of, and gets get one of those guys out and get some puck movers and get some get some offense on the back end. Otherwise, other then I don't think they're going to win. So, Fair enough. Nick, on the other hand, the Ottawa Senators are not, again, sorry to break this to you, the Ottawa Senators are not making the playoffs. Wait, really? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, what do you expect from them in the next two days, if anything? I mean, whether they're buyers or sellers is pretty clear, but are there any moves that you want them to make? Uh, I would try hard to sell Braden Coburn and Mike Riley. Uh, it, Mike Riley, I'm a little more tough on because I've actually really liked him this year and he's been really effective for the Senators. Um but if they aren't going to get at least a half decent pick for Mike Riley, I would probably just keep him, And I wouldn't be exactly opposed to them re-signing him in the off season to play uh, on that left side. But for even, you know, like a team like Montreal, and I'm, I don't know if Pat would hate this or not, but um, a team that needs, you know, quick fix on the left side guy that can move the puck. Maybe a Mike Riley makes sense. Winnipeg is another one that I think is a good fit for Mike Riley, even Toronto adding a depth defenseman, just like looking around Canada, there are teams that could use a player like him. Um, Braden Coburn is going to be another like weird one because that I, I feel like somebody's going to pick him up just because he won a Stanley cup last year, even though he has proven to be quite, quite bad in his tenure with the senators. So I don't expect much, but I would look to see if there's moves around those two guys. Okay. So with Montreal and Ottawa considered Vancouver is in a bit of a different situation. And 
there's been quite a bit of media around the Canucks and uh, specifically Jim Benning. And we will get to that shortly. Right after this short break, we'll be back in a few. All right, so the Vancouver Canucks have not played for a few weeks now, and their return to play date is still up in the air. One week from today is kind of in question, the 17th against the Maple Leafs. Not sure if that's happening. Uh, There hasn't been any news out of Vancouver, whether people are coming off the COVID list. I think it's been a few days since anyone's been added. I believe Jake Vertanen was the last ad a few days ago. But Jim Benning has made it pretty clear Vancouver isn't planning on doing anything in the trade deadline for the trade deadline. He basically explicitly said that. So I I don't really know what to think of that as a Vancouver fan, and I don't really care at this point. I'm more just thinking if the Canucks are going to play again this season. There is still consistent word coming out of the league and the team that they're going to play a full 56 games. So I want to come at this from sort of an ethical standpoint. Uh, Do you guys think Vancouver will play a 56 game season? And do you think they should? And Nick, I will, I will start with you. The Canucks have faced a lot of derailments over the past few seasons. This one is probably the worst COVID based derailment in all of North American professional sports. The, The entire team, essentially, aside from, from a few on that on that starting roster have been put on the COVID protocol list. It is pretty horrific to see. Do you think they finish 56 games? Do you think they should finish 56 games? I think it's unlikely that they finish the 56 games. I think the NHL is going to push to finish as many as possible. But, um, you know, looking down the list and, you know, they've got four games against Ottawa still to play. Um, I think four games versus Ottawa this month. I'm not sure if there's another one in there at some point. I, I think, no, there's four more left. I think they played each other five times already. So there'd be four more left. You see, I, I'm not sure I see value in those games. I don't know how many more Calgary has against Vancouver looking at the playoff picture. I, does it even make sense to play those games? The only slight difference it might make is just, you know, what it factors in that, two to four spots in the East or sorry, in, in the East, in the North division um, between Montreal, Edmonton and Winnipeg, you know, could they make up ground on each other winning games against Vancouver? I think they might try to play those ones out, but just in terms of games against the other two Calgary and Ottawa that are out, I don't think it really makes sense. Like, should they, again, just for the fairness of the sport uh, to those teams, I think they should try to play most of them, but I'm certainly not going to argue that they need to finish these games because as we know, you know, COVID is a pretty horrific thing. It's affected the Canucks worse, like you said, Luke, than we've seen pretty much anywhere in North American sports since this thing began. The variant that they're dealing with is apparently brutal. I I just don't see any huge value in them finishing the season. So I, 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 should they, I would say probably not. Let's just, you know, focus on getting these athletes healthy again. So I've watching this all play out. I'm kind of at the point where I just think they need to, they should cancel the Canucks season. And I know that causes a logistical nightmare for the league and for the North division. And that's totally reasonable. I think you mentioned it kind of that middle ground where they just don't play the meaningless games. Um, 
or the games that have playoff implications, I guess. So the however many left against Ottawa and Calgary, that would save some time because though the NHL did a lot uh, a few days at the end of the season for COVID reschedules, like Vancouver's missed, missed. I mean, luckily they were on their bye week at the time, but they've, they've missed a, a good handful of games that is going to be very tricky to make up for in the last month here. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Patrick, what, what do you think? Do you expect to see them, see them finish out their season? I can't really answer if I expect them to. Um, again, from what we've heard about this variant, uh, it seems to be pretty nasty the way it's hurting uh, younger players. These are professional athletes, very healthy players who are uh, pretty ill. And from what we heard, there were, there were some nurses going to certain players' houses and administering IVs and stuff like that. That's not what you want to hear. And you have to think of the long-term health of these players. There are long-term effects of COVID. Even once you're clear of COVID, there are people reporting uh chronic chest pain, blood clots, especially with this variant. There's a lot we still don't know about it. Um, and again, even with the vaccines rolling out, we, we're still not really sure. So again, I can't really answer should they play uh, if they are all healthy 100% and are able to, fine. But again, I think if you're the Canucks in the league, the priority shouldn't be, okay, we need to get these guys back. The priority should be to make sure they're healthy. And again, unless Nick kind of made a good point, if let's say Montreal and Calgary completely lose, not completely lose out, but let's say they fall out significantly, Vancouver's right there. They don't finish the season. You could argue that if they did, that they might've made a push for the playoffs, which totally changed the whole dynamic of the season. Um, not that you should wait for Calgary and Montreal to have success to then decide, but you get what I'm saying. It's a really, it's, it's a difficult situation to be in. And um I'll say no, because this sounds pretty nasty and the variant sounds pretty tough. And I think that what matters is making sure they're healthy. And if they, if they do get healthy really quickly, then by all means, but other than that, I'm going to, I'm going to lean no. And I think it's, it's in the best interest to not play. Yeah. I think I agree with you. So we will see. I mean, we're a week out from that April 17th date they've been talking about. It'll be interesting to see what kind of schedule comes out of this. We'll get back to that. I'm sure. Before we end here, I want to ask you guys, I mean, our next our next show will be deadline day. If we can keep our stuff in order here, I want to ask you guys, Patrick, do you have a team or a player that not a lot of people are talking about that you think is going to make a splash this Monday? Splash or just have to be a big splash or can it be, it can be a, a minor splash, a medium or... to large size splash? Like like maybe a boulder the size of a basketball being thrown into the water like that. Kind I'll, of say, I'll say, well, looking at it now, they've kind of been talked about. I'll say I'll say St. Louis. Um, the rumors that they can move on from guys like like Bozak or Hoffman, um, but they're still in a somewhat of a position to win now. And I think they're what they're fifth. They're one point back of Arizona, uh, fifth in the Honda West division. And I feel like they might want to get things going. Mike Hoffman has not really worked out on his one-year deal. Um, I would like to see them make a move. Um, so that's what I I've, I've heard. I've heard Hoffman's name around quite a bit. Uh, Nick, basketball boulder size splash. Who do you have? <laughs> okay, well, similar to Patrick's, I'm going to say um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see moves from Arizona or San Jose because of the poor play of St. Louis. They have allowed those two to yeah. drag themselves into this playoff race with them. Arizona sitting in that playoff spot right now. San Jose is a little further back, but they are, you know, they're playing a lot better, better the Sharks. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of those 
two GMs tried to reward their team and just give them, you know, just a minor upgrade to help boost them and see where they can go. In terms of a player, I maybe Sam Bennett moves at the deadline, yep. but that one seems like more of just, you know, it's contract and young player and Calgary's going to want a bit more. So that, that one seems like a bit more of a problem, but wouldn't be surprised because he seems like the type of player that teams would value in the playoffs. I feel like if Sam Bennett was going to, I, this is just me. I feel like if, if he was going to move, it would have happened already. Cause there's a lot of buzz around him That's earlier fair. in the season, but uh, you know, and if, I think if, wrong. yeah. And I guess people thought if Calgary were to lose out more than he would actually be a decent fit for the Leafs. I've seen that around often wouldn't have to go through the brutal quarantine. Who Couple isn't teams, a decent fit for the Leafs. So that's true. It seems like everyone is anyway. Um, I, I want to shout out Nashville. I can't see them making a big splash, but I wouldn't count them out to do anything because they made a, a final push. All the guys that were supposed to be potentially on the move, like Granlund, like Forsberg, like Ekholm, it's probably not going to happen. I don't think there's any chance we see Ekholm being moved. They're in a playoff spot. They have uh, four points. They're four points up on Chicago, who's been losing. They're what four and six in the last ten, and Nashville's nine and one in the last ten. So, um, yeah, I think them and then Florida because they're clearing space. So. Yeah, I think, I think Florida is going to be a team to watch out for, for sure. That will do it for us until deadline day. We are basically there. You know, moves to be made today, tomorrow, Monday before 3 p.m. We'll see. We want to thank everyone for listening. We'll be back on Monday, trade deadline day. We will see you then. Trade's going to happen right now. Yeah. <laughs>